And even the, the great King David, uh, we see in his life where he had times where he walked with God and times where he ran from God. And we, had time, we see times where he's really uh, close with the Lord and then we see times where he is distant from God. And so let me just encourage you, there are times in our life where the natural human tendency is this ebb and flow in our relationship with God. And so what do you do? When it, what do you do when you don't feel like praying? What do you do when you don't feel like reading your Bible? What do you do when you don't feel like going to church anymore? What do you do in these moments? Stop worrying about what you feel like and just be obedient. Because in the midst of all that, in the midst of our life, let me tell you that there's going to be times where we don't feel like we want to go to church. You know, I would dare say that Pastor Tolbert, after 35 years of preaching, there was days where he just didn't want to be here. He probably wouldn't admit it, but he's saying this. But, but you know, we, we, he says true. He says amen. But let me just remind you that, that that's, that's our human nature. And, and sin try, tries to draw us away from our walk with God. And so that's why it is so important that we understand that God calls us to repentance. Repentance is a part of uh, the, the Christian life and a part of the Christian walk. And truly, it is an, an integral part of our life. And we see that in King David's life. And we see that not just in King David's life, but also the need for it in our life. You know, I, what made David a man after God's own heart wasn't that he walked perfectly. It was that even after he sinned, his heart was tender. He wasn't hard-hearted. He wasn't stiff-necked, as the Bible says. But instead, he was soft. His heart was tender toward God. And let me just encourage you tonight, maybe you're struggling some things in your life, maybe you don't feel like being at church, you don't feel like uh, you're singing the songs, you don't feel like praying, or you don't feel like reading your Bible. Let me just encourage you, persevere. Persevere, continue to just be faithful in those little things, because that feeling will pass, and what will come is the abiding presence of God. But let me just make this clarification, God's presence as a believer never leaves me. I don't have to worry about it. You know, God's promised us that His presence will always abide, constantly abiding. Do you remember that old song, constantly abiding? We can trust that God's presence is always with us. We don't have to wonder or doubt. The problem is it's we don't always want to walk with Him. And so let me just, uh, as, we, as we consider this issue of repentance, repentance is our desire to say, okay, God, I've messed up, I've walked astray from you, but now I'm ready to turn back toward you. And that's what this is. It's a tender heart tonight, and that's what we're going to look about. And so I want to just take a few minutes by way of recap and just remind you of what we've already covered. But before we do, let's look at 1 Chronicles chapter 21, and let's read these verses together. 1 Chronicles, chapter, uh, 1 Chronicles 21. It says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me, that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people an hundred times so many more as they be. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why then doth my lord require this thing? Why will I, he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David, and all they of Israel were a thousand thousand and an hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred threescore and ten thousand men that drew sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. 
And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. Now, but now I beseech thee, do away thine, uh, the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose three, either three years' famine, or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtaketh thee, or else three days... Uh, the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore, advise thyself what word I shall bring uh, again to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there uh, fell of Israel uh, 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thy hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn, uh, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that uh, have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord, my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to, uh, to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. I'm going to stop there for now. As we've got, got the context of what's, uh, what we've covered last week, we're going to do a little review and then we'll uh, finish the reading and uh, uh, our message tonight. So let us have a word of prayer. Our Father, we are thankful for you. Uh, we're thankful for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, great illustration of the need for repentance in our life. And, Lord, truly how to have a repentant spirit. God, thank you for your people. Lord, and that, Lord, we can draw nigh unto you, and you will draw nigh to us. And so tonight we pray that as we draw nigh to you, Lord, we would sense your presence here tonight. We're thankful for you, and we thank you for your powerful work in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. I want to look at a couple of things uh, just as by way of review. I wanted to remind you of the rebellion of David. David obviously uh, has had times in his life where he drifted away from the Lord. We think about his sins with Bathsheba. We think about the murder of Uriah. And we could say that truly you would think a man who'd been through all of that would, would probably not ever suffer with or desire to get back into rebellion. But even toward the end of David's life, we see once again he was sinning in a great way. And, and this sin doesn't seem as, as bad as the others. Remember, we remember that this was a sin of pride. And pride is, was one of the greatest issues that we all struggle with. Pride is something that we all deal with on a daily basis, but it manifests itself in so many different ways. And so we have to be aware that God uh, still calls us to repentance, even on pride. And so we see here with, with his rebellion, it started with his thoughts, a planted thoughts. Remember David's life, that uh, even not just in David's life, but throughout all of our lives, 
Any sin starts with our thought process. I remember in college I had a professor, Joe Gleason. How many of y'all remember Dr. Joe Gleason? Many of you had him, but he was also my professor. And I remember in one of our classes he talked about the Tao principle. Anybody remember Tao? T-A-A-L. Okay, he must have concocted that after I got there. He said, I know you, you need this. And so, so Tao is basically this, an acrostic that, that uh, helps us to understand where, what happens where the thoughts. It, the T stands for thoughts. It begins in our thoughts. Everything that, that we choose to do begins with what we think about. And then our thoughts change our attitude about something. You ever notice that? If I think that something's, uh, something's good that's probably not, then eventually my attitude is going to become that way as well. And then my attitude about it is going to change my actions. Well, if it's not really bad, you know, it, it maybe I, let's just talk about drinking for exa- example. My thought is, well, drinking's not that bad. Being drunk's not that ba- uh, is the bad thing. That's what the Bible talks about. Be it, but drinking's not that bad. And so it changes my attitude about alcohol in general. And this is going to change my, my actions. And so what happens is I begin to drink more. And maybe I even get drunk one. Well, that was an accident, not a big deal. But eventually it changes my lifestyle. And my lifestyle becomes that of a drunkard. Now, that's not the, the case in every time. But listen, God does say, don't look upon the, uh, the wine when it turns itself. And so, uh, so that thought was wrong, led to a change in my attitude, it changed my actions, and then my lifestyle. All of these things changed as a result of my thoughts. And this is the issue here, is that David's thoughts began to be wrong in, in this. He had an attitude and a thought process of pride. And as a result, he acted wrong. Temptation's the same way. We dwell on it long enough and then things are going to be, uh, be changed. And so we see that uh, uh, he called for a precise count. So he had this thought planted. He Now he calls for precise counts. And in the counts, he says, go and number. And Joab, who is not always the most godly person in the Bible, stands up against David and says, is this, is this right? But nevertheless, David's word prevailed against Joab, is what the Bible says. And so, and so the, the uh, number was taken, there was a census taken, and uh, without thought or concern about what God's word was. Now, we've got to be careful because even in our life, we, we not necessarily we're asking for a, a census to be taken, but we have to be careful of pride. Pride goeth before what, church? Destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so we must be, be aware that God calls us to be careful with pride. And so this is a great warning for us here in, in the Word of God. And, and I, I'm just grateful that God used this to illustrate for us the, the great uh, travesty that happened in David's life. And ultimately, it affected all of Israel. And so we think about David's rebellion, but I love the fact that David's heart didn't stay in rebellion. I hope that all of us could have a heart that says, you know what, God, though I stray from you, though I wander from you, Lord, I'm grateful that he says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which means that after, uh, it, after his rebellion, David was after come, able to come to God in a repentant spirit. And so in First Chronicles 21 and verse 7, we see that God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel, and so we see that uh, that David's um, David had a repentant spirit as a result of this. How do we know someone's repentant? First off, he acknowledges his sin. You know, if someone's not willing to, to own up and say, "Yes, I wronged you," or "Yes, uh, I did this wrong," then uh, it's like an AA meeting. There's no, he's never going to get anywhere, 
right? You've got to be willing to fess up and say, yes, I'm a sinner. Are you a sinner tonight? Amen. Me and Brother Ty definitely are. Are you a sinner tonight? Amen. Listen, it's okay to admit that. I, I Trust me, it's all right. We are sinners, but we've been saved by grace. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he reminds us, you are saved by grace. And my sin no longer, uh, I'm no longer held captive by sin. I'm no longer uh, the, the slave to sin, but instead I've been released, I've been set free, and I'm able to live independent of sin now. Isn't that awesome to think? As a child of God, I don't have to live forever doomed by my sin in my life. It's not a continual cycle. Instead, I have freedom to live for Him. And that's what we've got to be reminded of here. And that's what David, he realizes, yes, I sinned, but I don't, have to, I don't have to stay there. Because of what God has done in my life, he repented and he was able to come out of that in his life and had great victory as a result. And so he acknowledges his sin here. And we see that in verse number 10. And David's heart smote him. And after that, he had numbered the people. And so he knew that there was a, this issue of, of sin in his life. And he knew that he had to come to this place of repentance. And so real repentance always acknowledges sin. You know, uh, and that's, that is absolutely essential for us today. The second thing we see is he accepted the consequences. Uh, we talked about this last time as well. He realized, that, yes, I am a sinner. I sinned against God. And truly it's not, hey, I sinned against you, but I sinned against God. Of all people, the one who loved me enough to, to die for me, that's the one I sinned against. And so he acknowledges his sin to God and he recognizes and bears the, the, the consequences of his actions. Sometimes people will say, well, yeah, I did that, but I don't think it was that bad. Or, yeah, I did that, but I don't really think it's uh, bad enough to warrant that kind of a, 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 a judgment. Brother Ty used to be a, worked in the prisons. How many inmates were innocent in there? All of them were innocent. They didn't deserve to be there. They didn't acknowledge it. What, what was that? That wasn't a repentant spirit. Listen, when, if we're going to have a, a heart after God, then we must truly have this, yes, God, I'm a sinner, and a repentant spirit. Uh, not, no, setting aside our rebellion and say, okay, God, I'm yours. You know, the Bible reminds us that He is our Father, uh, and like our Father, He desires to bring us to the best possible place. Um, my children, man, I, I'm just so thrilled that I get to be a dad. Uh, you know, all along the way, it has been an exciting journey, and we're uh, on the brink of uh, teenage years, and, and, uh, and I'm just, uh, just so excited about this next step for us. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I appreciate that. We all need prayers. I think my son will need it more than I do. But, you know, as we, as we think about this, you know, children are such a blessing. The Bible says they're a heritage of the Lord. And as we consider uh, all the different stages of this, I'm, I'm also reminded that I want what's really best for my children. Don't you? But sometimes the best for them is letting them fail. Sometimes what's best for them is letting them uh, understand the consequences of their actions. And that's, I think that's something that God let him do here. God allowed David to have someone warn him, hey, listen, we don't have to, we don't have to do this at this point. We, we don't have to uh, you know, uh, count these people. Let, let God take care of that. But David pushed on anyway. It kind of reminds me of a teenager in some ways. <laughs> and sometimes God just, God just lets, let him fail through this. And he went through the consequences of his actions and he accepted them uh, very, very uh, willingly. 
Revelation 3.19, Christ reminds us, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. You know, God's love is displayed to the fullest extent when He brings us back to Him. You know, like the prodigal son that has erred for so long, God wants us to come back to Him. And that's, what he, that's when, when we experience those times in our life where God is trying to pull us back. That's an incredible time for our, in, in our life of God's love. And so David, finally, he interceded for the people. He recognized it was his fault. He recognized that he, he needed to pray for the, the, the people. And so finally, we're here at this last point tonight, the remembrance of David. And so we, let's look at our, our text together. Uh, because as we consider this, I want you to look with me at verses number 18 through 21. Back in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. 1 Chronicles 21, verse 18. Let's read this together as we journey through the rest of this story. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set an altar, uh, uh, set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the uh, saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons with him uh, hid themselves. Now Ornan was uh, threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it for me for the full price that the plague may be stayed from the people. Let's look real quick. As we, as we look at this particular spot, I want you to see that David comes to a spiritual consciousness and he begins uh, really his journey back to a restoration with God. He's, he's repented of his sin and now he wants to make things right with the Lord. Listen, the Lord used the prophet Gad in David's life. Sometimes God uses a pastor, sometimes He uses uh, a friend, sometimes He uses those around us to help point us in the area that we're, we're weak. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs, as, a, uh, as, a, as iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And so God uses the fellowship in church. That's why church is so vital in our Christian walk is because it allows us to come along beside other believers and be encouraged by one another. And when, when we're out of church, guess what happens? Man, we, we, we get pretty dull. You know, we, we quit witnessing. We quit reading our Bible. We quit uh, praying on a regular basis. We lose faith and we lose hope in, in what's going on around us. And so we, we're not restored in our uh, fellowship with God. Instead, we drift away from Him. And so David realized this, that, that God used Gad in a great way to draw him back to the Lord. And so we're not, uh, we aren't restored in fellowship uh, to God by self-determined, uh, by self-inflicted acts of penance. You've, we've seen people on, uh, on television uh, where they would take uh, the thorns or the chains or the whips and they would uh, scar their own backs as they walked up uh, roads of glass on their knees. And we see these things and let me tell you, that doesn't draw you closer to God. We're restored through the blood of Jesus Christ as we respond to the truth of God's Word. 1 John 1, 7 says this, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sins. Listen, that's the key right there. And so David's sacrifice was simply a response to what God wanted him to do and what God told him to do. Remember, God instructed him, says, Go make a sacrifice. You know, this particular spot uh, is a place filled with history. Uh, people who have studied the Bible long know that uh, Ornan's threshing floor was a place that was very, very special. Mount Moriah was a special place. 
If you uh, read back uh, in, in the Old Testament, you'll find that this is the same mount where Abraham offered his son Isaac to God. And later, after, uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 21, David's son Solomon built the massive temple on the very same plot of land. 2 Chronicles 3.1 says, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at uh, Jerusalem and Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Listen, this was a sacred place. This was a special place where God had, had done much. It pointed to the coming Christ. And truly, the one who uh, was the ultimate sacrifice would be crucified not far from here. David knew that his sacrifice was going to have to cost him something. You know, when we, when we sin against God, there, there, it costs something, doesn't it? We see here in verses 22 and 23 that David's sacrifice was costly. Verse 22, it says, Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it uh, to me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the offering, I give it all. In the next verse, we see why, in these verses, we see where David comes to Ornan and he wants to buy this threshing floor. He says, listen, let me, let me buy this. I want to pay the full price of it. He, he didn't want him to discount it. He wasn't trying to use his kingly influence to say, hey, how about you hook me up? Yeah, I am the king and all. He wasn't trying to say that, but instead he said, listen, I want to pay the full price. And, and Ornan, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if he was just a, as a, a result of his love for the king or what it would, may have been, but, uh, but he says, listen, I'll just give it to you. The oxen, the, 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 the yoke, everything you need, you can have it all so you can make your sacrifice. But, but David wasn't satisfied, and we see that in verse number 24, and he says, and King David said to Ornan, nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. In the Old Testament, prior to the sacrifice of the Lamb of God on Calvary, an animal sacrifice was to be made by the repentant sinner. This was a symbol of what God was going to do in the future by, by sending Jesus Christ. He was the spotless Lamb of God. This is why God instructed David to make a sacrifice. Christ hadn't come yet. You see, when we sin, today Christ has come and we can call out to God. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our sacrifice has been made for us and at a price far greater than a piece of land and some oxen. David could have taken any shortcut he wanted to, but instead he had real heart level below the baseline repentance. It was genuine. He wasn't trying to cut any corners. He wasn't trying to say, well, I can make it a little easier if I do this. When I, uh, years and years and years ago, uh, I want to say 2004, uh, when I first was a youth pastor, I shared a story about a pig, a pig and a hen. And they're walking by a church one morning, and they saw this sign, and it said, uh, ham and egg prayer breakfast. By the way, prayer breakfast this Sunday, gentlemen, come join us. And we'll have a little ham, and we'll have a little eggs, and we'll have a little biscuits and gravy, God willing. And so come and join us as we pray and ask God to do, continue to do great things here. And so they saw this sign, and the, the hen looked at it and said, Isn't that nice? I just love that we get to help the minister. 
The pig replied, well, that's easy for you to say. You only make a contribution, but I'll be making a sacrifice. You know, that's a, that's a difference. Some people make a contribution. Some people just say, well, I'll give as little as I can to the Lord. But, but other people say, I want to sacrifice everything. He paid it all, and all to Him I owe. Listen, David took his sacrifice personal. In verse 24, he said, No, but, or nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. He said, This is my sacrifice. He didn't use tax dollars. Woo! Some, some of the guys in the White House could learn some of these lessons. But he didn't use tax dollars. He didn't use his position. He didn't try to leverage a better cost, but he gave personally to the Lord. How vital it is. What a great lesson that we can learn here in this issue of repentance. David refused. David refused to buy the land, or to refuse to have the land without buying it. He didn't bargain. He didn't try to finagle, but instead his heart was tender and he wanted to truly to glorify God. What's your heart like today? What's our heart like whenever we come to the Lord? Look at verse 25 and 26 with me. It says, So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called uh, upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of the burnt offering. This heart attitude that David displayed is pretty rare. In our culture today, we want to give as little as possible and receive as much as possible. In our culture today, it's all about me and not about him. We put our needs above those of others. And if there's anything left over, we might consider giving it to God. God didn't call us to cut corners, did he? But instead, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I'm reminded of this evening of the church in Macedonia. Remember the church in Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8? And this church, and, and they, they just gave and gave and gave. The Bible says this, How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. They were a poor church. For, their, uh, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Listen, the church in Macedonia displayed for us that our, when our hearts are tender toward the Lord, it's truly we say, all to Him I owe. God, you have me, you have my heart, and as a result, you have all of me. David said, listen, I've strayed far enough, and I have come back with a heart of repentance. I've got a tender heart toward you. And as a result, he willingly said, I want to buy this. I'm not going to receive it of your own gift. This is my opportunity to tell God uh, I'm serious about my repentant spirit. Verses 27 and 28 in our text, it says, And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put his sword again, into the sheath thereof. Aren't you grateful that God accepted this sacrifice? Aren't you grateful that God recognized the heart attitude uh, of David here? When we come to God like this in repentance, the promise is that he says, welcome home. Welcome home, my child. 
Listen, there's going to be repercussion for your actions, and David experienced those. He saw 70,000 of his kinsmen fall dead because he chose to rebel against God. Because sin never affects just you. It affects those around you. It, it, it destroys your family. It will destroy your, uh, your children. It could destroy your grandchildren. It could destroy those that we uh, care about in your ministry. All kinds of things that it affects. It's like uh, when a, a rock is dropped into a pond or thrown into a, a pond, the ripples just ripple out. Sin is the same way. It affects so much more than just us. And that's why I think that David and his sin, with his heart of repentance and his heart of desire just to draw back to God, is such an incredible reminder to us tonight. Let's draw near to Him. God's promise is, is, draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh to you. Do you want to draw nigh to the Lord tonight? Notice Dayton God's response in verse 26. It says, And David built there an altar unto the Lord, and and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and called upon the Lord. And I love this, He answered him. He answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. We see that God responded to David's heart of repentance. It doesn't, need, it doesn't matter where you are in your life. If you're at a place where you need to come back to God, maybe you've just, maybe you've just gotten a little cold. Here's, the, here's the, best way to, the best question you could ever ask yourself. Am I as, as uh, in love with God today as I was yesterday? Am I as on fire for God today as I was yesterday or is there a little more cold or am I a little bit more cold listen we all need the power of God don't we we all need God's life and work in our life and so let me just encourage you live with a tender tender repentant heart toward God tonight because when we fix that below the baseline God can do great things on the outside